Well, there's one thing we can probably all agree on. The workplace is never an easy place to survive and thrive and just get along sometimes. The pandemic threw many of us for a loop, the stress of it all alongside remote work, remote schooling, staying at home, all the different things that happen. The impact has been seen in a whole lot of ways. On this show, we've talked about the great resignation. And just last week, the new phenomenon, not the new phenomenon, but the new term, quiet quitting, uh, the new name given a familiar phenomenon of trying to find a better work-life balance by essentially not doing more work than you than you have to. A firm limit on how much time you work, um, how much time you work and when you do it. So the alarm bells are there that maybe there is something amiss in the workplace these days. Maybe people aren't finding what they're hoping to find at work. But what are some of the solutions? Well, one of them is a concept called emotional intelligence. It probably doesn't sound like a new concept, but in the workplace, it's it's a fascinating one. Um, and recognizing it and honing it is also something of a new idea. Uh, certainly business leaders are flocking to try to become less than just Sort of empty suits, for instance, would be a terrible way of putting it, but to try and show more of their human side, to be more emotionally intelligent in the workplace. Carolyn Stern is an emotional intelligence trainer based in Vancouver. She's president and CEO of the EI Experience, and she's author of the soon-to-be-released Emotionally Strong Leader, and she joins me now. Thanks for your time tonight. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. This is really an interesting concept because I was in the corporate world for a while, and it's talked about all the time now, you know, the idea of emotional intelligence in the workplace and how do you hone it? How do you, how do you put it into practice? As far as just as a basic explanation, what is emotional intelligence in the context of the workplace? Well, emotional intelligence is being smart or intelligent about your emotions. So it's really spending time to use the information our emotions provide to act appropriately and one of the two biggest questions I always ask all of our clients, and I, I talk about it in the book, is what are you feeling and what is that feeling telling you about you? And I think that's really important because I think so much in, in society we don't spend enough time. Think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm a university professor as well. Um, right. You know, do, do, we, do we give these, these young kids an emotional education? We focus so much on IQ and not enough on EQ. And it's interesting because there's always this idea that you sort of leave your emotions in the parking lot, right? I mean, I think that's been one of the old, uh, we've been socialized to leave our emotions in the parking lot. I suppose one of the easiest ways to provide an example of this is, what is an example of not using your emotional intelligence in the workplace? Well, I think that it really depends on your own emotional makeup. And this is, you know, I know so many people want listicles. But it really depends, and there's no one st solution for all circumstances. So let's take emotional expression, which is one of the EI skills that I, that I teach uh, and I talk about in the book. Well, emotional expression is being able to constructively express your emotions. Um, you know, when you're able to do that, you're seen as an open book, and you can narrate to others what you're noticing internally, right? They understand um, what you're feeling, um, and you tell them how you're feeling respectfully and professionally, which lets people in. But when you're too much of that, when you're too expressive of your emotions uh, and you overshare, um, you may make people feel uncomfortable or awkward or pressured to reciprocate. And so sometimes uh, you share too much information about yourself um, to gain connection without sort of building trust, which can work against you. But if you're on the other end of the spectrum, which is you don't have, you have low emotional expression, 
you might not express how you feel at all, or, or you might do so in a destructive way. So you might swear and yell um, in the office. Um, and you may be seen as either withdrawn or like a closed book or a bit of a mystery. Um, or you might even have a short fuse and let your emotional responses come out in the wrong way, like yelling, as, as I said, or swearing. I've certainly noticed that there's been a lot more emphasis on this when it comes to properly training managers these days. I guess within the workplace, it is becoming more and more valued uh, that good emotional intelligence is one of those key assets that a good manager needs to have. And you've done some, uh, there's even been some some numbers crunched on this as well. Like it, it is a benefit to companies if they have managers who have uh, good emotional intelligence, I gather. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I've, I've started EI Experience in 2017, and when we first started, we had to convince people what emotional intelligence was um, and why it was needed. Now our phones keep ringing because uh, not only does the World Economic Forum say it's one of the top 10 skills that is needed in 2022, but people know that their leaders are not skilled in this and that they need to upskill their leaders. And uh, what's happening is they're reaching out to us and saying, we don't have this. And I think the pandemic was a great example, right? I, it, it made emotions, you know, erupt from the surface. People realize that you can't, turn, you know, we're complicated beings that, that, that have emotions and you don't just park them at the door, right? You, you're full of them throughout the day. And we as leaders don't have the tools to tend to emotions, we, uh, nor the confidence to use those tools, which is the whole reason I wrote the book, is that I was sick and tired of listening to successful leaders saying that being emotional was a sign of weakness. Um, yes, being emotional in the workplace is unprofessional, but having emotions is not. And so we just need to start learning how to have the mental skills and the cognitive strategies to be bigger and stronger than our emotions, to figure out why they're there, what triggered that emotion, and what can I conscious, you know, how can I make a conscious choice to do something about it? I imagine during the pandemic, a part of the issue too is a lot of us weren't parking anything at the door. We were sitting at home, right? And then some of those lines started to get a bit blurred between, you know, seeing into people's lives and hearing their lives and so on. And it needed uh, managers who could understand what they were w witnessing and understand the, the kind of pressure their employees were under. Is it, is it, easy, is it easy to train people? to learn these skills in a way that comes across as, as genuine and, and, as, and, as, uh, you know, and as something legitimate? Yes. Yeah, so EI can be learned and enhanced. And in fact, unlike your IQ, which peaks at sort of 17 and 18, your EQ rises as you get older. And in fact, one study says it, it peaks sort of at, in your 60s. The, the, the trick is, and again, everyone always wants that, you know, how do I enhance my emotional intelligence? Well, it first depends on your emotional makeup. You know, what's your baseline? And so for me, for instance, I'm high in emotional expression. Sometimes I share too much. So I, you know, the strategy that would work for me is to, to learn when to bite my tongue and maybe to not share with everyone. And again, every employee might be different. Maybe I don't share with some of my employees that, are more private. Um, but for someone um, else that doesn't know how to express their emotions, maybe the strategy would be, let's talk about how you're feeling. Use more emotive language. Uh, tell people the why behind your ideas or decisions so that people understand what's going on for you internally. Right? We all have, in the book I talk about, we all have an inner iceberg, right? And the problem is, you know, you just see what's above the surface, which is our communications and our actions and our behaviors. But what 
is underneath the surface is our attitudes, our past experiences, our beliefs, our fears, our stressors, our motivators, all of that's underneath the surface. So unless I'm asking you about, you know, what are you feeling and why are you feeling what you're feeling, I won't know. I'm only judging your behavior and, and attributing an emotion to it rather than actually getting to the root cause of it. And, and psychologists call that attribution bias. Right. Uh, we had a, at a place that I worked, we all had those little Lego blocks with the colors that we were, right? You were a yellow or a red or a green or a blue. And it was whether you're analytical or, you know, highly, highly social or, and all these things. And this was meant to sort of remind us that all of us are different. Um, and that some people, you know, some people have a tendency to be a little too, uh, to steamroll people, for instance, and that that is their personality and just how to fit with each other. And it was a really interesting experiment. I guess there's different ways of trying to achieve this. These days, it strikes me that with employees and retention, recruitment and intent, retention and such um, becoming so important that all these are very beneficial when you're trying to keep your employees there or better yet, bring new ones in because they have, they have choices these days. Absolutely. I mean, I always ask every employee three questions, which is what do you need to feel connected to me and the team? What do you need to feel appreciated for your efforts? And what do you need to feel fulfilled in your role? And then I shut up and listen. <laughs> because that gives me the, rule, the, the sort of the guidebook on how to lead them. And I think that every person, as you said, with the different colors, Ben, are different. And so what you might need for connection, I might not need. What you might need for appreciation, I might not need. What you might need for fulfillment, I might not need. And so we have to learn as leaders to be flexible, to really listen to what our employees need. Because once they feel connected, appreciated, and fulfilled in their job, it's going to improve how they feel and perform at work. And think about it. How you feel affects how you perform. Our kids are going to play together at the company picnic. I don't think so, Billy. <laughs> Why not? Because you're fired. <laughs> It's not your fault, your history, Billy. I played that Cheers clip for you, Carolyn, because when I read that story about the CEO in the States putting, posting that tearful picture of himself, it brought me right back to that episode of that sitcom and sort of the idea that maybe there's too much. You can, you can go overboard sometimes. And I gather this CEO got a lot of criticism for that. Uh, what, is, what is sharing too much when it comes to emotional intelligence in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so as I said before, um, it really is, uh, you know, I think our, 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 our spectrum has swung almost too far, right? Before it was, we needed to be stoic, unemotional, and unflappable, to now we're oversharing, you know, indiscriminate disclosure and maybe information dumps. And it's really, again, finding that sweet spot, knowing your people, knowing yourself, what your emotional makeup is, and figuring out how to express yourself in a way that is appropriate for each staff. So, yeah, I think my question um, to the CEO that um, posted a picture of himself on LinkedIn crying would have been, because EI is about being curious, not judgmental, right? right. And I would have asked, what was his intention? You know, uh, and, and the problem is on social media, he didn't state that. So then people filled in the blanks as to what they thought his intention was. But I would get curious about what he was hoping to achieve by, by posting that picture. 
There was a, a comment I gather from one of his employees who was let go who said, I would only work for people like him because he, mm -hmm. you know, he's real, you know, so that, that sort of struck me as being, forget all the, forget all the criticism. That was probably the only people he really needed to, to, uh, to relay that message to was the ones he was actually letting go. And I guess at least one of them felt that that was, uh, that was okay because of his approach. It might've been too, I think one of the problems and you pointed, uh, pointed to this already is that if that is consistent for his behavior, then maybe it was okay. Like maybe they were used to him being that way and that they knew him and he explained why he was. And there's a lot more going on behind that picture than just the picture of him crying. Well, yeah. And I think then, you know, think about when we went, worked in, in, in an office, right? We didn't get to used to post our, our, our lives on social media for the world to judge. And being vulnerable and open is, is a mutual relationship. And when you share something on social media uh, without boundaries, that's going to lead to disconnection, distress, and disengagement. So it's really about if you are going to share something on social, being really clear on what your intention behind what you're sharing is. Um, I think that's the mistake. So, yeah, I think it was great that his worker felt that he only wanted to work for someone that, like him that was real because he knows that person. But for the the world to, to pipe up and, and share what they felt about his action, we're only looking in from an out the outside. We don't know who he why he did what he did and what why he's you know what was the intention behind it. Right. I only have about ninety seconds left, Carolyn. The book comes out uh, on September the thirteenth. Is that right? And what are you what are you hoping people will will get from it in a nutshell? I I want people to realize that emotion should not be feared. You know, uh, we need to make friends with our feelings, right? Emotions are full of wisdom if we take the time to pay attention to, to them and, and figure out why they're there, where they come from, and what we can do about it. So that's my hope, is that people will learn not to be so afraid of them. And then the second piece is I hope people learn what their, what their own emotional makeup is. There's a whole bunch of worksheets that I give in the, in, and lots of questions to ask so that you can dig into having compassion for yourself, but also looking at yourself critically to say, you know, what am I strong in? What am I um, not so strong in? And what am I maybe too strong in that, a, that a, a strength might be an actual liability? Carolyn Stern, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it. And good luck with the release of the book, Emotionally Strong Leader. Thank you, Ben, for having me.